Welcome to Spirit School. I'm your mentor, Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. In this podcast, I share honestly all I have learned about the mediumship and spiritual development journey. My intention is to normalize these conversations, to make way for a more confident, clear, and connected wave of lightworkers, serving the world of spirit with an open and joyful soul. Welcome again to Spirit School. Welcome back to Spirit School. What I wanted to share today as part of the podcast episode is I often feel like, though I love the podcast and I do offer as much as I humanly can through this podcast as far as knowledge goes and experiences that I've had in hopes that you will feel normal on your spiritual development journey and your mediumship development journey, but I often feel that my best work is over on Instagram in my IGTVs, in my programs, in my one-on-one mentorship calls. There's just something about being in the energy with other people and teaching people live that just brings out like the most wisdom, the most confidence, the most inspiration through me. It's edited because I want to be sure to honor everybody's privacy, but I hope you enjoy this conversation today. I do find a lot with a lot of my coaching clients that we stay small and it's funny because not all of us stay small for the same reason. Like for some of us, we stay small because we're scared or some of us may stay small because like we don't feel like we're worthy or we're good enough. But another reason a lot of us may stay small is because we have nothing to inspire us. Like we just haven't been inspired. We haven't seen what's out there. We haven't seen other women thrive and succeed and do what they're passionate about. And that was kind of like a realization that I had through my coaching today is, you know, I have a lot of people that inspire me. I was actually recalling this lady I used to work for. She was the first person that ever inspired me. She was the first woman I ever met that actually wanted other women to do well. And it was like really inspiring getting to be mentored under her in the corporate world for a long time. It was actually through the process of being with her constantly. And I walked up to her one day, I heard her talk once and I said, I want to work for you. And I was, I think it was in the company for like a month. And I was like, how do I work for you? I want to work for you. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I threw out a title and within a week I was working under her. She was the first woman I met that literally wanted me to thrive and do well. She gave me every single opportunity to show myself what I was made of, give me complicated projects and build my confidence up. And so she was so intelligent, so smart. So it was super good for me to have somebody who inspired me and made me want to like, I could do that one day. I could be like that one day. And sometimes I feel I would love to know who inspires you guys. But I'm so grateful for those times. I'm so grateful for that experience in in being inspired. And now I find myself constantly inspired by people, Melanie Ann Lear. You know, I'm in her community. Pay fortune to be in her community, but she is someone who inspires me. She elevates my energy. And so it's actually really easy for me to dream big and like think of all the different possibilities in my life. But it's because I am constantly inspired. I realize that when I ask some of my people who I see like don't want to go for this or don't know what's possible, I'm like, who inspires you? And I don't get a whole lot of names. I'm like, that's where we need to fix it. Um, And the truth is I love being inspiring because I love feeling expanded. And that's how I feel around inspiring people. So I pay a fortune to be Melanie and Lair's community. 
like Oprah inspires me. I know a lot of people hate Oprah. They think she's, she, they think she's an alien or a man or something like that, whatever. I love the way she talks about hard things without triggering people. I love how she can have like these really kind of like hard conversations and see the best out of all, even the worst of situations. Like there's something that really inspires me that Maya Angelou inspires me, her work, her words inspire me. My end of life doula mentor, even though she's really quiet and she's calm, she inspires me. Her calmness inspires me. The fact that she takes intentional moments before she speaks next inspires me. Like, I'm inspired all the time. And so therefore, it's easy for me to go for my dreams. I used to watch Oprah when I get home from school. I used to go home and so I forgot what I would watch at three, but Oprah was on at four. I would watch it every single day. And so I was, I've been inspired for a long time. But I remember my parents asking me, they were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'll work in an office like my mom. And I manifested that for myself. <laughs> That's as big as my dreams got. And I got that dream. And then it came time to be like, oh, I want to be like, I want to feel like this all the time. And with mediumship, it's not even about being full-time reader. It's like the feeling I get in a session is like a place I want to be. And same with the coaching and mentoring. It's like, this is where I want to be in this energy doing this. So it's really easy to chase that dream. It's not even like my mediumship work. It's not like the quality of my mediumship. It's like my mediumship journey, right? And I would be robbing people of that experience or finding rela relatability within that if I didn't share the struggles of my mediumship journey. I'm not sharing it from a wounded place. It's like, holy crap, I have transcended a lot of these things, um, which is why I'm really passionate about sharing them with you guys. I love the podcast, The Moth. This is also TikTok inspires me to be honest with you. And I'm not just saying that because I love social media, but the most average people are hilarious. Like no makeup, no hair, nothing fancy, not high video quality. And they say something like profound or funny, like TikTok constantly shows me people that inspire me. Honestly, I am, I try to tell my parents, I'm like, there was a lady I followed on TikTok that had a crush on the mailman. And every day she would leave a cheesy pickup line in the, in the mailbox and she would film his reaction. It was like so freaking cute. He was married, so it didn't work out, but I'm like, go for it. Like that inspired me. I'm like, go for it. Like, I love watching people take some chances. Anyways, all this roundabout stuff to kind of say, Sometimes when we may be in the spot of, you know, what do I want? I don't know what I want. That's kind of where I've been these past couple months. Like, what do I want? I don't know what I want. What do I want? I don't know what I want. It's like so many opportunities and things. I really had to kind of like tap into some like inner inspiration and watching people who are doing similar work that inspire me, which is how come we really have to heal any kind of comparison wounds around our bodies of work because you can't compare, like you literally can't compare. And but looking at other people kind of doing things that you love from a place of admiration and inspiration kind of had to uh, surround myself with that to be able to start to get really clear on what I want next for my life, right? In my career. So, but I did, I mean, I just kind of, you know, whether it was spirit or my higher self, I'm not sure, but just kind of like talking about that in one of my sessions, like, oh, you know, it's hard for me to understand what it's like to not be inspired because I'm always inspired. And when I ask them, what, it, what who inspires you? Joe Finta was the answer, to be honest with you. And so I challenged them. I'm like, go find women who inspire you. They can be super famous or not famous at all. But allow yourself to be inspired. I look at the coaching world because I love coaching because I've been, I've benefited so much from coaching and I love being a coach. And it's like, I love watching. 
other people just rock it and like be super inspirational of hearing what they have to say, the perspectives, the way that they word things. It's all inspirational for me. Caroline Mice. She inspires me. She's so meticulous with her words. So meticulous. And sorry, I backtracked there, but I talked about podcast The Moth. Average people sharing stories. And my God, it's so inspiring. It's good to find real people in the real world who inspires you, especially if you want big things for your life, right? We look at the whole theory behind the four-minute mile. No one can run a four-minute mile until someone ran the four-minute mile, and then that's no longer even the, the measuring stick anymore, right? It's been blown and passed. So that's kind of what we're looking for when we're looking to be inspired. It's like, what's being done out there? I get excited about that kind of stuff. But I, pro I go to bed every night to Caroline Mice, um, three books I have kind of like circulating while I sleep, Advanced Energy of Spirit, and of course, The Anatomy of Spirit is like one of her like most foundational books, but um, Holy Language, which is one of my favorites that I've ever read of hers, but I listen to them, and Sacred Conversations with God, I think is what she calls it. It's just her prayers. So anyways, and just also know that like you have the opportunity to inspire other people as well. You know, my intention behind going full time and this was to inspire my children, right? It's like whether they're inspired at, you know, at the time it was three and six, probably not. But I would love for them to like tell their friends when they're older, like my mom had it all made and she like chased a dream. Like that's pretty actually, you know, unique. And so my whole intention behind making the big switch from corporate into my, my career, a big impetus for that was to inspire my children, if not now, then later. Right. And I'm always talking to my kids about it. And I'm always telling my daughter, you can do anything. Like you can work for yourself. You can create a business out of anything. And there's actually a school here in Squamish that teaches entrepreneurship instead of putting your kid into regular school. It's like real life skills. Like their, their graduating project is actually like a business. And I'm like dying to get her in there. So that's kind of like my big dream when my kids are in the same school together. I'm so used to having so much time to myself. And I am a very social person, but I will say one of the biggest shifts for me that has happened in opening up my sensitivity, like turning up the volume on my sensitivity in life. And like, I just walk around loving all the time, all the time. I'm really open now compared to when I was guarded in corporate or, you know, had to present myself in a totally different way. I'm allowed to just be open now all the time. And I didn't realize how open I have been walking around because I've noticed that I get drained really easily doing simple things that used to be uh, very energizing for me. So in my old career, I was known to be able to like be at a conference and, you know, be the representative of the company at a conference and like talk like two full days for like eight hours and it would energize me. And now that is not the case for me. The way that I like to live my life and I just live it so open and my heart is always just completely cracked open all the time now. It's something that I just realized about myself after having so much time to myself. I really enjoy my alone time. I really enjoy the time and space that I get to be in quiet contemplation, to have like no plans, to kind of like float around free is how I would say it because I'm always doing something. I'm not somebody who's great at doing nothing. Doing nothing, by the way, is very masculine. <laughs> 
And I do consider myself to be somebody who just like is very naturally got masculine energy to me, but I'm never like doing nothing, but I will say it's nice. I have a client at 1230 to 130 today and then nothing else. And I don't have to pick up anyone till four. I just feel very lucky. And that's the life that I really like to live. Now, I'm also very lucky because my kids are very low maintenance. Like they like doing their own thing too. Like my girl's a gamer. Um, and I support that. I was a world ranked gamer myself uh, for much of my life between I started gaming when I was 11, but I did it uh, not professionally, but I was in tournaments and I was really well known in a few games um, up until I was 24. So like, I'm not against it. She loves it. She loves it. She loves it. So I got her in courses for programming and stuff like that to kind of like support her dream, but she loves doing stuff like that. So my kids are pretty self-sufficient. I find a lot of the clients that I end up working with that hire me for like the quality of life coaching, it actually has nothing to do with their life, um, like what they have going on for them. It's how we see the world, how we think about the world. It's that doomsday or kind of voice that we give too much airtime space to a lot of the time. That's been my biggest shift as well. I'm a high worrier. When I was in the corporate world and we did the big five assessment I was the highest worrier in the organization. My worry score was at 98 out of 1300 people in the organization. I was the highest worrier. So being somebody who had spent so long being a worrier, and I mean, it showed up in my readings too, in my mediumship, because I remember early on in my development and early on when I started working with the public, I would worry about my readings for weeks before, because I was only doing readings two weekends a month because I had two babies, like really young babies. And so I was only doing them two Saturdays a month and just doing like back to back to back to back to back, almost like psychic fair styles. And I remember I would get like, you know, maybe a couple hours after my readings of being, oh, I love this. And this is so fun. And oh my God, like I got to help somebody and like really kind of like live in the joyful moment of doing this work. And then it was probably Sunday afternoon the day after the readings, I would start worrying about the next one. I wonder if I can do that again. I wonder if um, it will work as well next time. Or I wonder if, you know, like just worry, 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 worry all the time. And I can't tell you how much energy and time I've wasted on worry. And so, you know, that mindset and the way that we kind of like see the world and feel into the world is so powerful about the quality of life that we are actually living there's no magic trick to becoming less of a worrier. What I started recognizing in my life, and I promise you we all experience this, it just depends on what we see. It's like, I think it was John Holland that said, you know, we'll actually see it when we believe it because when we believe it, our lens in life really widens and opens and we're able to see a lot more. So I do believe that the beauty that I experience in my life has always been here and always been accessible to me, but my negative bias has gotten the better of me my life because yet guess what disappointment is one of the first emotions that women feel i learned um you know through the work of melanie and Lair, when the people i'm studying under and we know that as women disappointment is one of the first really strong emotions that we feel that's like not super positive and therefore we spend a lot of our time and energy throughout our lives trying to avoid disappointment and if we can kind of berate ourselves and you know create worst case scenarios in our mind then we can't be disappointed can we but the truth of the matter is is that even just living in that energy of what could be disappointing us our bodies don't know the difference between thinking it and conjuring it up in our minds and our spirits versus it actually happening so it's like really 
powerful to spend some time in your own personal development to really kind of start to see the beauty in the world, even though the world is heavy right now. It absolutely is, right? And it always has been, always has been. We've been through this before. We're, we, we must recognize that we're in cycles, right? Everything is cyclic in this experience. Everything, not just women, not just the moon, not just the planets, but everything's in cycles. History repeats itself. So what we're experiencing now is not new and we've survived it before. We're going to survive it again. I know that we will. But what our individual journey is at this point in time is who were we when things hit the fan? Who were we in the moments when society and humankind needed us the most? That's what's going to carry with us into our deathbeds. It's like, who was I? I think about those early days of the toilet paper hoarding and people literally buying out all the meat in the grocery stores. It's like, I, I can't imagine when they're, you know, at the end of days, and I say this a lot, like when at the end of days, it's, it's us and our thoughts, it's us and our memories that we create in this experience, the experiences that we reflect back on. It's not like what we've accumulated. We don't give a shit about our million dollar house when we're facing the end of our days. It's, it's literally what we've experienced in this life. And so how I make the most out of what's happening in the world is just making sure that every decision that I make is very conscious towards making the memories and the impact in the world that helps because it's very easy to get overwhelmed and it's very easy to spiral into all that's not working well. But I promise you, we can look at any point in history, any generation, and there's always been shit going down, right? Always. And so it's no different than it's always been. It's just where our mind is at and the energy that we are sitting in is what we're able to see. So I invite you, like I had to do for myself, was be very conscious about seeing all the beauty in my life. Not everything that wasn't working, but everything that was going well. And when I chose consciously to focus on those areas of my life, I saw more of it. I saw more magic and that magic has always been there. I just couldn't see it because I was stuck over here. So that's like one of the best quality of life things I can give anyone. You don't even need to pay me. It's just, it's just the way it works. So my kids are at an age. My son is four. He'll be going into kindergarten in a couple of weeks. He's in a phase where he's just discovered, I hate you, right? So up until now, it's been mummy, mummy, super mummy, like just like all love. And he's discovered the word hate and that, you know, maybe whether it's energy, because I don't react very much to it because he's my second kid. I've been here before, right? And so with my daughter, I'd be like, oh my God, my daughter hates me. I mean, she's my first baby, right? So I'm like, I, I'm not doing enough. And there was like all this like not enoughness. And so he's saying, I hate just to try to get a response. I'm just like saying, I'm just smothering him with love. That's how I, I combat everything. I'm just like, I love you, son. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's all good. Right. And just kind of move on. And yesterday my daughter kept saying things because like, I look at her and I mean, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And I, I have no hesitation to tell her, I'm like, Katie Jane, you are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life ever. And she looks at me because it makes her uncomfortable. She's not great at receiving compliments. And this is a thing that women learn really young. So I'm getting her used to receiving my love. And I'll just say to her, I'm like, Katie J, I'm like, you're like, you are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Cause I look at her and she's like, you're creepy. <laughs> she's seven, by the way. She was like, no, I'm not. I have buck teeth and I'm ugly. Like she'll, she'll say that. And it, I mean, it breaks my heart inside. Like it crushes me. 
But yesterday I had the wherewithal to say to her, I said, Katie Jane, we can't say things like that to ourselves because we're cells and we're living, breathing cells. And when we tell ourselves that we don't love ourselves, we actually like, we can die. Like we can get really sick and we can die. I'm like, have you ever heard of the plants? And she was like, no, I said, if you talk nice to a plant and you talk mean to a plant, the one that you talk mean to will die and it will shrivel. I'm like, we're the same thing. We are living, breathing organisms with cells in our body. We got to talk nice to ourselves so that we can thrive. And so I showed her this video. It was actually Ikea. Ikea did this video. I had to read it. So there are better ones. I did this plant experiment and I showed her this video. I tell you this girl, I mean, this is what it's like to talk to girls of this age. She was so changed by that video. She was shocked at the end. So one was being bullied and one was being loved. And the plant that was bullied 30 days later was dead. It will survive because plants are incredibly resilient. So you just need to give it some love and it will blossom right back up again. But we went back downstairs and she started to say something because when we talk bad to ourselves, we don't even believe it. It's just habit. It's something that we've um, become so accustomed to. It becomes a default, much like thinking negatively versus positively. It's a default. And so she started saying something that she's used to saying to herself. She stopped herself and she's like, nope. I love myself, right? And so she wanted to do some affirmations before bed. I have a great app called the I Am app and it has a kid's function where for one minute it will give you an affirmation every 15 seconds. So it was, it's so cool to see. This is also inner child healing, guys, is because like I see my daughter is like a second chance for me, right? Everything I wasn't able to receive as a child where I feel like if I had received that, I wonder what would have happened in my life able to kind of do it all over again and to just see just like a quick little conversation and a little bit of a video like immediately create an impact on her and she told my husband about it and at camp today she was like I'm going to tell everybody about the plant experiment because she goes to a girls empowerment camp every day and I just think about what's to come in our life with all the people here the world is dark, but we can actually make changes within it through our children, through our interactions, through how we choose to show up in the world, through what we choose to do as careers. Like we can actually work towards making this place a lot better than we left it. And that's my number one value in this experience is like, I just want to leave this place a little bit better than when I came in. And if I could do that through my kids, that's awesome, right? And they're not gonna be perfect and I don't expect them to be perfect. I don't expect them not to F up like I did and I turned out okay and I effed up a lot. I'm okay with it. it. turned out more than okay, but it was a really beautiful moment to see that I don't know how that's gonna impact her future, but I think it's gonna be good. And so I had a proud mommy moment. And of course I'm incredibly proud of her too because um, she really kind of like embodied that lesson. And I thought it was really powerful. I spent a lot of my life waiting for permission to do anything. And not only like permission from like a like authority figure or parent or somebody I admired, uh, like looking for signs, like from spirit, looking for certainty that things are going to be working out for me if I decide to do X, Y, Z. I remember really early on that I would be holding up my pendulum and this is a very embarrassing moment I'm about to admit to, but you guys know I'm vulnerable with you. I always will be. But I used to sit there years ago with my pendulum and literally say, am I going to be a full-time medium? Will I be able to survive doing this work? And this was like, you know, six years ago. 
and it was like I was like waiting waiting for the pendulum to tell me it's all going to be okay and it's all going to work out and I wouldn't leap unless there was like any kind of certainty and it really kind of like boiled down to like a worthiness issue where did I feel worthy enough to be on this path did I feel worthy enough to be you know in-demand medium and in-demand coach it was like really kind of like a worthiness issue. So the quote that really kind of cracked my heart open that I recently heard is worthiness is not given, it's claimed. And it's very true. It was like I actually had to fully step out of my egotistical fears of not being supported in doing what I'm so passionate about. And really just like claiming it like this is going to be my life. And this is how I want to live. And this is the work that I want to do. And it took spirit not giving me all the signs that I'm going to be okay, that this is going to work out and me just like really claiming this is how I want to live and that this is what I want to do. And then the support came, you know, it was something I had to claim and it totally made sense to me that this would come up. And once I claimed it, it turned out better than I could have expected. All the worst case scenarios that I had in my mind that I was replaying actually living in my worst case scenario were disproven and I never once gave thought to but what if it works out but what if it's amazing and I think that's part of our human conditioning is like we go to the worst case scenario and we totally don't pivot and just think but what if it's better than we expect what if it's not scary what if we're more than provided for what if we're provided for not only financial abundance but abundance of time abundance of energy so I kind of just want to talk about that because I see that a lot. I see people waiting for permission to kind of follow their dreams and to live their great big life that they're destined to live. And some people wait forever and some people wait until they die and they never end up doing the thing. So don't wait for a permission slip, please don't. It's not fun. It's not a fun way to live. Literally, if it lights you up, if it excites you, if it's something that really makes your heart like expand to the point where it's like, I just want to do this thing, try it out because there's nothing to say that if it doesn't work out, you can go to what you used to do. I knew that when I left my job, they loved me there. I was like, well, if this doesn't work, I know, I know I can come back. Like I know that they would take me back and it didn't make it any less scary, but there's nothing to say that, you know, you can't go back to something that you used to do. I just don't know why people don't take more leaps. But again, you're talking to somebody who spent 37 years of their life really scared <laughs> and had to walk through a whole lot of fear to kind of get over that. I hope this little pep talk with Danielle on overcoming your fear will help you live an amazing life because that's the goal. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Spirit School. If you did, please leave me a review and a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you do feel called to share this with your friends, thank you for tagging me on Instagram at Squamish Medium so I can also share. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. If you're interested in working with me in my one-on-one mentorship, a reading, or all the various programs that I run, you can go to squamishmedium.com or check me out on Instagram at Squamish Medium. The link in the bio has everything I am currently working on in service to the world of spirit. Have a great day, guys.